This is Casper Van Dien. You're listening to Cinema Geekly. You know what to do. Kill them all. Coming to you in hypersonic ultra maximum high definition from the depths of the interwebs and straight into your ear holes. It's the Cinema Geekly Podcast. Time for the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 165. It is Anthony Lewis along with Glenn Beauvais. Hey, Glenn, how you doing? Doing pretty good, you? I am doing excellent. I am ready to talk all the movie news, and there's quite a bit of it here. I was sort of expecting kind of like some doldrums, and then Star Wars, and then we'd kind of squeeze a show in by the end of the year to talk about the Star Wars movie, which has, as of this recording, uh, not come out yet. Uh, it's still got a couple of days before uh, the official release, but there is no shortage of movie news. Uh, I guess before we dive into it, speaking of the movies, uh, this week's episode brought to you by Fandango. Head on over to cinemageekly.com, click the Fandango link at the top of the page, or just use our link, cinemageekly.com slash Fandango, and head on over there and buy yourselves up some movie tickets or gift cards for the movie lover in your life. The holiday season's quickly approaching, uh, that day quickly approaching, uh, or like a couple of weeks out, so uh, the time is now. You can still pre-order your Star Wars The Last Jedi tickets, but plenty of movies still in theaters. Uh the Pixar Coco movie, which I think has gotten good reviews, but I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about it. Uh, uh, it's at the bad theater here, so... But buzz-wise. Uh, I think Justice League is still in theaters. The Disaster Artist, if you're lucky, is in a theater near you, but it's not It's not in wide release yet. Yeah. It's like 800 theaters, which is why I saw it when I went to Dallas. Yes. Um, all of those things available to you, we get a kickback anytime you purchase anything using... Uh, the link cinemageekly.com slash Fandango. So go do that. Uh, I'm not sure even where to begin. How about, Glenn, we start with the talks about uh, the expected merger of Disney and Fox, uh, 21st Century Fox. So, like, not all of Fox, but, like, the movie division of Fox, I believe. Is uh, and sports and is it sports? Is it TV as well? And TV, yep. Mm-hmm. Wow! So this would all fall under Disney. Yeah, so I guess uh, Disney is not worried about ESPN having all their cable quarters cut. They're just going to absorb Fox. But <laughs> that's insane if they're bringing it. So I at first I thought this was only which them. is so funny because all those people who left ESPN went, went to Fox because they were so tired of it and now they're just going to have the same bosses again. Yes, uh, I thought, yeah, I thought for sure at first that they were kind of just absorbing the movie studio, but no, I guess they're not. They're they're kind of absorbing everything except for what aren't they taking. Or are they taking everything? Like, is Disney going to control Fox News? See, I don't know, because they said TV production, 
uh, 21st Century or 20th Century Fox, so their movie division, and their sports is what they were going to own. Hmm. So we don't know whether or not their news networks or local stations or anything like that. Yeah, I have no idea how how that's going to pan out. Crazy. Okay, well, let's just sort of stick to what specifically will be affecting us on this show anyway, and that's 20th Century Fox, the movie studio. And if you really want to get genre-specific, when this is announced, that's going to mean that Disney will... Uh, and as a result, therefore, Marvel will regain the the movie rights to like X Men and Fantastic Four, and uh, maybe. Well, I think Deadpool. they said they wouldn't get Fantastic Four in the deal. Really, I I, so I have not read like I've not read all the dirty details. I was waiting for them to like confirm that this was actually going to be happening. Well, the deal is supposed to get passed Thursday is what, what they're thinking. So, so there, there is some former fat, there is some way that they will get 20th century Fox, but not the rights to do, uh, the fantastic four. Yeah. Which I would feel like is the whole reason why they would buy it is for Marvel comics, nostalgia. Yeah, well, I mean, X-Men is probably a bigger property, obviously, than Fantastic Four at this point, which is kind of like a dead and buried property. That No one's cared about it for 50 years. No, but it does seem weird that that somehow wouldn't be part of the deal. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's the whole thing why like they have to keep making Superman movies is because the Warner Brothers will lose the rights to some like other uh, production company. Um, so on top of that, there's also been, now, depending on who you believe and what you believe and what they've said and, uh, how literal you take what people say, uh, 20th Century Fox also has the, in perpetuity rights to Star Wars A New Hope, presumably that would now be transferred over to Disney, which also has the rights to the other two original trilogy films. This is renewed discussion that we could still one day see that high definition cut of the original films. Now, of course, if you read between the lines with George Lucas, take him literally or whatever, take him for his word. He says that the original versions of those films no longer exist. I think uh, he's alluded to them like, literally not existing like they're destroyed or you know whatever the case may be that the only versions of the film that exist uh in high definition uh in in a digital format that is workable or cleanable enough to to put a product out on is his special edition versions which boy i hope that's not the case but this is at least kind of spurred on the... Because that was always the thing that was hiding, that was always holding back the possibility of this, was that Fox had the the airing rights or whatever in, in perpetuity to that first film, and anything, any release of that movie would have to be done with their approval or whatever. I don't know. Do you... I don't know. Where do you, where do you fall on this, Glenn? Do you think Lucas... Uh, do you think there is a, an original... The original version of the film still exists in it, in an upscalable high definition thing, like on print somewhere. Yeah, sure. 
Because Lucas seems to think it doesn't. But a lot of people took that to mean like, you know, those don't exist anymore. The the my versions exist. Those are the real versions or whatever. Um, and nobody, a lot of people are like, there's no way if they had the original prints of those movies or whatever that they'd destroy them or something. That's, uh, you know, ridiculous that they would, you know, that company would do that. But a lot of people also seem to think that that's true. I don't know. At this point, I'm kind of, I've kind of given up on, on ever seeing them, uh, restored or whatever. I, I actually, it's been so long since I've seen them, uh, that I've, I've forgotten how much of it has changed and how much wasn't changed. Uh, so much, I, I don't know. Have you seen the, uh, the, uh, the honest trailers did, uh, return of the Jedi. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but they include a ton of footage from the the special editions or whatever. And some people were mad at them that like, oh, you can't count that stuff. That's like the shit George Lucas in uh, George Lucas added in after the fact. And they pointed out rightfully that if you buy these movies on Blu-ray, these are the only versions that exist. And that these versions of the movie have now been available to the public longer than the other versions of the movie have. So in a lot of ways, those movies, those special editions, to a lot of people, are weirdly Star Wars now. Uh, so maybe we're just kind of stuck with them the way they are. I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens when they uh, when they make this announcement. Uh, I think the more troubling, the, the real troubling question here is... Uh, one gigantic corporation gobbling up yet another gigantic corporation to make an even more gigantic corporation. I don't know, Glenn. I thought there were like antitrust laws. Like, wouldn't this violate them somehow? Uh, who cares? <laughs> it's 2017 in politics. I guess we maybe have larger things to talk about, but uh, just one money's less... free speech, man. I know, I know. One less thing, one less, one less choice, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Uh, look, when it comes to quality or whatever, Disney, like, people are worried that, you know, the Deadpool won't be the same or whatever. But, yeah, Disney's pretty good with letting their many, many branches uh, kind of do their own thing. You know, the Marvel movies uh, have done their own thing. Uh, I mean, you know... For goodness sakes, like, uh, Punisher is, you know, you wouldn't look at that and think, you know, oh, that's part of Disney. It is, uh, technically, because it's part of Marvel television, but, you know, you wouldn't think it to, to look at it. I, I think Deadpool will probably uh, be fine. Uh, Disney is yeah, if anything, like... Disney is good about finding what clicks and then exploiting it and exploiting it and exploiting it, so. Yes, and making sure that it is under their copyright and never falls into the public domain if they can help it. Yep. Uh, that is for damn sure. Um, I don't know. We'll see. There's This is raising a million questions, some of them f in, a, in a geek way fascinating, uh, in other ways, uh, in like a media conglomeration way, troubling. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, some news coming out of Star Trek land, Glenn, about Quentin Tarantino. Dear Lord. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I worded this perfectly when I posted the news. 
about, you know, remember all those uh, drunk and or high conversations with your friends about what if movie scenarios like, dude, you know, what if Tarantino made a Star Trek movie? And everyone oh, we used laughs. to always say, like, what if Scare- like Scorsese made a made a Marvel movie? I think we've said that yeah, quite yeah. a few times. Yeah, so yeah. No, well, it's definitely the what ifs. Be- <laughs> well, uh, be careful what you wish for, because Quentin Tarantino had... Now, by the way, this is, I think, only coming like a week or so after it was announced that he's doing another movie. He's got like a movie on the slate somewhere that yeah, because he, is... he was he was poning it around because he isn't going to do business with the Weinstein Company anymore. Yes, and somebody somebody bought it and they put it on the movie slate somewhere, and they haven't really announced what it is or whatever. But he's got another movie on his plate, and this news came out that he has an idea for a Star Trek movie that he's hatched, and he went to Paramount and JJ. Like so, he liked this idea so much that he actually took it to Paramount and J.J. Abrams, and they liked it enough that they decided that they were going to assemble a writers' room and start working on it. And then the next thing I heard was that in this, like it's the guy they're looking at to write it is the guy who I can't remember his name. He's the guy who wrote The Revenant. He's the guy they're looking at to write it. And it's going to be R-rated. And I just don't know what is happening, Glenn. Do, do you have any opinions about this? What's happening here? Like, they're getting the writer of The Revenant, not the director. The not writer. Get... Oh, no, okay. There is actually talk that Tarantino might be himself directing the movie. Dear Lord. You know, we live in a very strange world. <laughs> right? So, so strange. So if Tarantino directs this, yeah, I wouldn't be completely surprised because he directed like a couple episodes of CSI. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely the realm of possibility. Because um, I mean, he's a big nerd. I mean, yeah. So, so I'm not. He is. He is. Ta- I've heard him talk about his love for Star Trek before. Specifically the original series, but I, I like I heard him on a Nerdist once where he talked about how there were, you know, he's especially in love with the time travel episodes of Star Trek, and he talked about a couple episodes that he thought could be um, turned, you know, those ideas could be turned into movies. He specifically talked about uh, the TOS episode, City on the Edge of Forever, uh, and the... Uh, next gen ep- episode called Yesterday's Enterprise. So, uh, yeah, this is stuff he's had on his brain. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, his dialogue is smart enough for the uh, Star Trek. It's just you know might not be the quite correct dialogue for right. Star Trek. Right. Right. You know, I mean, look, I, I've there's already been all the jokes that you saw about like uh, when Disney bought Marvel. Like, uh, Kermit the Frog's gonna be in an Iron Man suit, and, you know, all that, you know, Mickey Mouse is gonna be Spider-Man or something. Like, you you saw, you know, the Disneyfication of Marvel or whatever, or Star Wars, the same thing with Star Wars, and Mickey's gonna be a Jedi. We saw all of those jokes. So I've also seen all of the Tarantino jokes about, like, you know, Klingon, it's Klingon motherfuckers, do you speak it? <laughs> you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen all of that stuff. I've, you know, you've, uh... You know, City on the Edge of Forever is about uh, 
uh, Kirk falling in love with this woman from the past named Edith Keeler, and he has to allow her to die because he was never meant to go back in time and meet her and fall in love with her, and his doing so causes repercussions, and so he has to, like, let her die. Uh, You know, I've seen, like, you know, you haven't seen Edith Keeler's story until she's naked, covered in blood, and Kirk is yelling motherfucker at the top of his lungs. Like, I've seen all those jokes. I'm not sure it would quite, you know, be that Wait, much so of a... you don't want Sam Jackson in a Star Trek movie? I mean, I kind of do a little bit, but... <laughs> I don't think it'll be quite that much of a caricature of a Tarantino movie. Look, he loves it, so there's definitely going to be yeah. a respect there. That being but said... I want it to be as much of a Tarantino movie as it can be. Right. Well, I mean, and that's that's you know, and that's you on the outside. Me on the inside of Trekdom. It, it on its surface, it doesn't even feel like a good fit with Tarantino. But then they announced like the R rating, and I am not a dude who is against R rated movies. I I love R rated movies and grew up on them and watched them and stuff. Um, but you know, Star Trek for whatever reason. Uh, main, you know, mainly due to it being on TV for so many years, and TV is a lot more restrictive, especially when Star Trek was out. They had to work within the boundaries of PG or PG-13, and the movies did the same. So they sort of just, they've got like this 50-year established history of not really relying on those things to tell their story. And, you know, I I don't know if you'll agree or not. I've had this uh, argument with with other people, but... To me, I think the whole point of an R-rated movie is that the elements that make a movie R-rated is part of its selling point. Like, people go to R-rated movies because they like the violence and the blood and the... Or or if it's in the service of the story. Like, if you're telling a story that needs it. Now, it's different if you're just going to throw blood just to throw blood. Yeah, that's not... Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, so Star Trek has, you know, Star Trek has successfully maneuvered around all of those things like oh we can't be bloody and gory so they have phasers and the phasers don't make you bleed it you know it's like a lightsaber you get cauterizes your yeah you get punctured and your blood is you know immediately cauterized so it's you know they've 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 found you know their ways around it so star trek has never needed it for their stories out of necessity well they're gonna need it now because tarantino's story is gonna warrant it perhaps (laughs) Um, so it's just going to feel weird. Obviously as a Star Trek fan, I'm going to watch it because I have an open mind and I'm willing to, you know, try anything with Star Trek on it. Uh, but it does on its surface seems like it would be a sore thumb. Uh, it does seem like it would stick out an awful lot, you know, and maybe it needs a shot in the arm. I've seen a lot of people who, you know, really dislike Star Trek beyond, even though, it ended up being way better than the low bar that I had set for it. So, uh, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I mean, we made jokes about Beyond, like they were going to be, you know, doing burnouts in space. And... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and because they put Kirk on a motorcycle, you know, like, ah, oh, they couldn't help but do something with Fast and Furious. And, you know, it's like one scene in the movie, and it is a little over the top and ridiculous. But, you know, it, it didn't hurt the overall movie, which was a pretty good Star Trek movie, but you know, maybe they don't want a pretty good Star Trek movie. Maybe they want a shot in the arm. That's going to 
you know, grab the attention of a lot of people. And, you know, we knew this was going to happen when Deadpool hit, right? They're like, everybody's going to want to go rated R with their yeah. movies. And then Logan was rated R. And then it's like, oh, we, maybe that Dark Phoenix X-Men movie is going to be R-rated. And, you know, now we're talking an R-rated Star Trek. You know, everybody was talking about that. Imagine an R-rated Batman movie and, you know. But for the most part, I think the R-rated elements are the selling points. And... Well, like, Logan, it needed to be rated R. Deadpool needs to be rated R. Like, does Dark Phoenix need to be? No. Probably not, no. There's a Batman movie? Not necessarily, but, like, it wouldn't hurt the story. Right. Like, it just depends on how fucked up you want to make it. Yeah. But, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I I wouldn't want to see an R-rated Spider-Man movie unless it was, like, the Kraven the Hunter comic book, because it goes in some dark places, but... Yeah, but I mean, you know, the like Deadpool warrants the, the R because yeah. it's the essence of the character that was created. Um, you know, like I said with Star Trek, like through necessity over the years, they've had no choice but to not be R-rated. So they've managed to establish a universe that doesn't need it. So it'll feel weird if they all of a sudden start including it. Or it'll feel like, you know, a gimmick or whatever instead of... Something that is substantial. Yeah, just having an F-bombs fly left and right just because you can, not necessarily if you should. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. What else do we got? Oh, tons of stuff. Huh? I'm uh, glad you got to work out your Star Trek frustration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Star Trek podcast is on hiatus until the beginning of the year, so that shows on a mid-season break, too. Uh, DC shakeup is in the works after justice league stumbles, Glenn. So they're not doing a shakeup of the movies just yet. Although, you know, we'll see what happens in the flashpoint movie. I have a feeling they may be resetting things, but this is mostly a shakeup that's going on behind the scenes, right? Like a leadership shakeup. Yeah. And it needs to happen. Uh, well, I mean, we talked about this, after Batman v Superman, weren't they doing a leadership shakeup then? And then they had like Jeff Johns come in and we're like, well, we'll see what happens. And now they're only two movies later and they're doing another shakeup. It seems. Yeah. I mean, I don't, they just I, need to, they need to find someone that's like, what the hell did Kevin Feige do before he became like a studio head? Like he's probably uh, some accountant you know, producer guy. Yeah, he wasn't probably even... not so much on the creative side. Yeah, but I don't do enough if... to you know probably bid on scripts that kind of thing. I'm assuming that's what he did. Yeah, I don't. I think he liked comic books, but I don't think he was like from the industry. Yeah, and I think that's their problem with the the like. Obviously, Snyder is a fan, mm-hmm. and we saw how that worked out. And then Jeff Johns is a writer in industry, which I thought might work because he knows it. But obviously, you got to have the right person for it. Like they got like Jeff Loeb, who's in charge of Marvel's television. Yeah, writes comics, has written movies. He's in charge of Marvel television. Seems to work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have hits and misses, but overall, it's pretty good. Yes. Um. I just, I don't know. I would eat, like, first of all, they just need to figure out what they want to do as far as a tone. Mm-hmm. And whatever they think is what they need to do, then they need to put that person in charge. So if they want to be, like, super goofy, I don't know. 
Berlanti seems to be doing a pretty good job with the goofy stuff for the TV shows. Why don't you just make him the head honcho? And they're just like, you know what? We're just going to do Joel Schumacher stuff, uh, but you're going to actually like our characters, and it's going to be fun. Uh, whatever. If that's what they decide to do, not my particularly favorite way to go, but whatever. It, it works on DC Legends. You can try and replicate it on some of the other stuff because it would definitely work for Superman. Yes. But... Um. So yeah, they are. I'm, I would honestly say I would get whoever is running things at Fox for their stuff because you know we talked about the R-rated stuff, but it's not just that. Like they're taking risks in different types of genres too. So correct. I feel like you need a for them. They have to take really big risks for something to pay off, and they just need to find someone who's willing to take those risks. And if it pays off, then they can just do what Marvel did or what Disney does best and mm-hmm. just find that formula and just keep on doing it, baby. Oh, yeah. So this is following, I mean, the shakeup is a result of, um, is a result of the Justice League box office performance, essentially, um, which is looking troubling. Like, I think people thought it was gonna chug along, but it's sort of just completely stalled, I guess. Uh, so, I mean, looking looking at things, so they decided to do some shakeups after Batman v Superman. That movie almost did a billion dollars. It did 873 million worldwide. And they decided to do shakeups after that, presumably because of the critical reception of the movie. Uh, Suicide Squad did $745 million. Uh, Wonder Woman almost did Batman v Superman numbers. It did $821. Uh, Justice League hasn't even hit Suicide Squad numbers. Justice League is sitting at $615 million. So it's, it's the... I'm going to say it's probably the lowest grossing outside of Man of Steel... Man, did man? Do you th- do you figure Man of Steel did less? Uh, I think so. It's somewhere around there. I think it's like five thirty-five. Like it's not very high. No. So it's like the second lowest, next to Man of Steel, uh, which is not what you want from your Avengers movie, essentially. Uh, the most tentpole thing you could do. Yeah, this was like the blockbusteriest thing that DC could do and it is their second lowest grossing uh, film in this in this movie universe um, so Man of Steel did 668 oh 668 yeah so th- no Justice League is the lowest yeah Justice League did 615 wow so it is the lowest grossing now, technically, Justice League is not out of theaters yet. It could, it's probably going to pull ahead of Man of Steel, I imagine. It doesn't have that much further to go uh, to pull ahead, but it's it's in, it's on the bottom rung of the earners, and that is not what you are looking for. I can see why they're doing the shakeup. I know a lot of people are like six hundred million dollars. That's a fucking great movie. Although, factoring in production budget and advertising budget and all that other stuff, and the whatever the percentage slice is for the foreign market, yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna that's a tough pill to swallow. So it's doing movie, about but... as much money as what Logan made, but 
Logan was made for a fraction of the price. Yeah, its production budget was $97 million, which I actually think is... That's what they have in Box Office Mojo. That's surprisingly high to me, actually. Yeah, but. I had been, I could have sworn Mangold said that it was 75 is what they made the movie for. Yeah, I was going to say like 60 to 75 sound would sound more proper, but um, maybe for some reason they're, in com- they're including... Uh, some marketing, some marketing, maybe or something, or some other additional costs. I'm not sure, but yeah. It, either way, uh, let's put it this way: you made it for 35 million dollars, and it's made more money for you than Justice League has. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. It's it's obvious why they're doing a. It's obvious why they're doing a shakeup. Um, that you know the money talks, and uh, they're not they're not delivering. Uh, I mean. I don't think they have to do exactly what Marvel's formula is. And they, you know, they shouldn't. They should try to find their own path. But when it comes to doing, like, these ensemble team superhero movies, you know, you could see, like, that originally this was supposed to be more than one movie and that they realized that they had to spend the bulk of their time trying to introduce you to the new characters uh, even though Batman felt like a different character and Superman, they yeah. rebooted Superman, uh, but they still had to introduce to you three other new characters. Um, you know, that those movies, the team up movies, those aren't the place to introduce those characters. That's why you do the solo movies. And once they're established, then you bring them, you know, together, you have to do less work that way. And it, everything flows better. You know, we, we talked about it when we reviewed the movie, it was, uh, it was fine, and we didn't we didn't hate it. It was a serviceable movie with a story that you could follow, but a, a, a massive letdown for what that movie should have been. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, Get the guy who's running the show for all those Fast and Furious movies. I think his name's Chris Morgan. Get that guy. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, why not? Like we can criticize those movies all they want, but like they have fun characters. As ludicrous, though pun intended, that some of the set designs are. Like, they're fun, dumb movies. And it, it's okay if you want to do that with your superhero stuff. Well, Glenn, um, just like how life found a way, yeah. movie studios found a way to get Ian Malcolm back into Jurassic Park. They found, they found a way to make money. Uh, Jura- well, at least from you, I'm sure they've got at least one sold ticket for you. <laughs> I mean... Or at least one movie pass. Yeah. <laughs> Seat. Uh, first trailer for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom came out after they released about 25 mini clips, which I think you could piece the entire trailer together from them, but uh, they released the full trailer, uh, complete with an Ian Malcolm. Now, here's what I gathered from this. I've heard other people say he's in the movie. Based on what I saw, he has a cameo in this movie. Yeah, it looks like I don't think he's going to be on the island, but he might he'll show up at the beginning and end. Yeah, he'll be in the he'll be in the courtroom, which is what I said he should be in the movie anyway. So yeah, if that turns out what he's in, like I won't be disappointed. What did you uh, What did you make of the trailer? Uh, I do and don't get what the hell is going on. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like there was a book. Where the island was going to explode. I don't know if that was the first book or the well, second book. Well, in the first or... book, they blow up the island. Ah, that's right. 
So at the end of the first book, as they're all leaving, like it's not just them getting together and Hammond looking off into the horizon of like, oh, this place I built, it could have been something. Yeah. It's no, they escape on combat helicopters because dinosaurs are running amok, and Hammond's dead, and you think Malcolm's dead. Well, he is dead in the book, but then they say he's not dead in the second one. But um, yeah, and then they just shoot it with rockets and blow the island up. But that's that's what happens at the end of the first book. So in this one, this is like a net. So what it what it reads like is that like there's the a super island- volcano and it's going to explode. Yeah, the island is abandoned. They're letting dinosaurs leave their lives on it again. This has happened before, but... Well, the other island was the breeding ground. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense to me because they had, like, walls and barriers and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Even Even if it was just supposed to be a breeding facility, I don't know why you wouldn't just have your main hub of protection and then you would have your, you know... Maybe some off-site stuff for breeding. Yeah. This is still the first island, correct? Yes. Uh, the second island doesn't exist as far as we know anymore. It has not shown up yet. It's correct. never been mentioned. Um, so the island, the dinosaurs have been left to, to lead their lives once more on the island. And then I guess they determine there's some seismic activity. And there's, I, I presume what they're going to describe as a volcano that they thought was dormant is now active and it's going to endanger all of the animals lives and this brings up an animal rights i'm guessing thing like you know should we just let the dinosaurs die or you know wouldn't we try to save them like we would try to save any other which is an odd direction to go yes i I mean i don't hate it i actually kind of like oh you know like that's that's really unexpected way to go about it like Mm -hmm. how you would do a sequel i i actually kind of like the, the premise of should we save these animals even if we made them and they aren't necessarily really dinosaurs, you know? Yeah. They're our responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Which ties is- into the best scene of the whole franchise, which is the dinner scene where Malcolm's talking about, or whenever Hammond's like, you know, if I build a flock of condors on this island, you wouldn't have a problem with it. He's like, oh, no, no, see. Uh, nature selected them for, you know, I could do the whole thing. Yeah. And you you package it and you you patent it and you slapped it on a plastic lunchbox and you're gonna sell it and you're gonna sell it. <laughs> uh, you call I, you discovery, know I call rape in the natural world. You know you know what I miss? I miss that Ian Malcolm. Like he's he hasn't been crazy since the first movie. Like he's he wasn't crazy Ian Malcolm in the second movie. He was no, like, he was like hardened. You know, he had a bad experience, bum leg. Like he was kind of quippy, but yeah, yeah. He wasn't. He was a changeful man, which is the whole point even in the book, is like he's definitely not the same person he was before. Which is a shame because I love the Ian Malcolm from the first Oh movie. yeah, no. It's, yeah, and he can I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean you might see it, but granted, we saw like fleeting instances of it. I don't know if they're gonna Look. be like he's gotta put on a face for this committee and then like when they're behind closed doors like and he's talking to main people and he's all like, he starts hitting on her and doing different stuff. And that becomes a list of him and of Chris Pratt and Dallas Bryce Howard fall in love again. All I want is for one scene in the courtroom where somebody tells a joke and we get the Ian Malcolm laugh. That's all I want. <laughs> uh, yeah. We get, the, we get that <laughs> laugh. I'll be happy. Um, also there's, there was rumor that, uh, 
that one Dr. Alan Grant may have been seen on set for this movie. There's maybe more than one cameo, perhaps. Yeah, him and Laura Dern. <laughs> I, I would hope so. If they're going to do this court thing, it makes sense that they would be there. Get as many of the... You know what are the what are the kids doing? Are they are they still doing acting? Kids yeah, but I don't think they have anything to do with the company though. InGen? No, probably not. Because they because the after, I mean I don't know how they're going to tie this in, but you know their crazy uncle who got the company at the end of the second one and got eaten by a baby T Rex. Um, I don't know if they're going to have that because it obviously went public because that's why Ifrin Khan, I think that's his name, owned it. So. Yeah. Uh, so are you like are you like all in for this? Uh, I mean, the trailer, some of it had me kind of, you know, like oh, I'll check it out. But like, I don't know. I'm also, I'm also kind of like, you know, even though I like Jurassic World more than I liked all of Jurassic Park three and big chunks of Jurassic Park two, um, I'm still kind of that's, that movie still left me kind of flat for some reason. Yeah, probably because it doesn't like nothing. Nothing has the charm of the first movie. Uh, uh, you know, the, and, the cast of that first movie is just incredible. Yeah, that and that also makes it. Um, and you know, so this had some things that I'm like, ah, oh, you know, but a lot of it sort of just felt like Fast and Furious or Transformers, but instead of cars or robots, it's dinosaurs. Uh, I mean, they said they were going to do more animatronics, and it does look like you at least see more of them. They did. And I saw a a back, you know, behind the scenes uh, featurette where they were talking about wanting to bring back more of the scare element that the first movie had. The first movie was way more, you know, relied way less on visuals and way more on heightening the the scene with, you know, making the scene tense or, you know, not knowing what's going to happen next. So, you know, they're saying they're trying to recapture that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they will. I don't know. I mean, I like the guy won't. who's directing this one, but we said mm-hmm. the same thing about world. Uh, I, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's called, uh, a monster calls. It's I've heard the guy, of it, but I've not seen it. He's the guy who directed it. You know, it's like a kid's movie, but like, it's really good. <laughs> it's it's like a, it's a really really good movie. Uh, like Felicity Jones is in it. Uh, Sigourney Weaver and Liam Neeson voices the monster. Like it's it's really good and kind of sad. Yeah, because he's like having to get over the death of his mother and that kind of stuff. So it's like yeah, it's like whenever they announced that he was doing, it, I was like, oh, that's weird. Unless they're wanting to go more for kind of the like emotional moments. Not necessarily like the first one's got a lot of emotional moments, but like getting back to caring about the people, like so. Yeah, because they were just like archetypes. Like she's a strong, independent woman. You know, actually, what it reminds me of is like <laughs> in South Park. This past season, they did the principal falls in love with the vice principal, and the vice principal's strong woman. And mm-hmm. so that, that's kind of what it now what it feels like is what Chris Pratt and. Bryce Dallas Howard are as the PC principal and the vice principal from South Park now. Um, like generic? Yeah, of... generic, you know, this is what I am kind of thing. Like, there's so thinly veiled, there's no complexity to the character at all. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if they go back to that, I mean, I do, like I said, the idea of them trying to get dinosaurs off the island so they get put in precarious spots because obviously these are 
creatures that are going to kill you. So that is one thing I will say. It uh, and it's also one thing that I felt like maybe Jurassic Park Two sort of had going for it, at least a little bit. Like they lost a lot of it, but they seem to have a little bit. And it's the thing that Jurassic Park had, obviously, uh, in Spades, was that it wasn't about the dinosaurs. It was about the people. Like the dinosaurs were there. Uh, you know, like to wow you and to be like, oh, cool. Um, but the story was really about the people, and it sort of feels like as the movies have gone on, they've slowly evolved into being about the dinosaurs. Yeah, they turned into creature features. Yeah, in the worst way. Like yeah. Godzilla is a creature feature, but like we don't see Godzilla till like forty-five minutes in the movie. Yeah, it just it. But that's the cool part, because the unfortunate thing is the only person I cared about they killed twenty minutes into the movie. So. Yes. Like, <laughs> But yeah, like, so, like, the first one, it's about, you know, the ideas of what responsibility man has, you know. Man's hubris is what the dinosaurs represent. And, like you said, in the second one, it's kind of about, like, well, these are property. We own them. We made them. Can we get them? You know, what responsibility comes with that? You know, bite off more than you can chew. And then the third one's just, like, kid gets stuck on island. They try to find kid. Yeah, there's, like, nothing. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, this giant dinosaur and everyone run from the dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, and then Jurassic World was, you know, very much about, it was very much about that. Jurassic World was about making a shitload of money. And, I mean, they, you know, they, they even said that's what the movie is about, is like, the commercialization Oh yes, everything yes. now is what that movie is supposed to represent. And as, as much as I hate it, like, I can, I mean, whenever Trevor had the meeting with Spielberg, he's like, oh, we gotta find the hook, and he's like, well, the hook is that it's a theme park. Theme parks try to make money, and this movie is us trying to make money. So why don't we just be transparent about we want to make some money? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty heartless way to look at it, but they, yeah, I mean, they, that's not the worst idea. They do get some credit for being kind of meta about it, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you have Jimmy Buffett carrying off margaritas as dinosaurs kill people. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'll give you some credit for that, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it was it was mostly uh, a nostalgia, uh, and also it was like a nostalgia. Yeah, dinosaur. again, it was you know like my criticisms of Star Wars: Force Awakens. Like, I understand you got to kind of go back to the beginning, and you know, kind of hey, remember this? Let's let's get back to this, and then you can take your story elsewhere. Yeah. I'm I'm just please for the love of God, let's take your story elsewhere. Yeah. So, like, all the criticisms I have with it, I will forgive if they don't just make this second movie a rehashing of another second movie. Well, we'll we will talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, yeah. I have not seen the movie, and I have not read the spoilers, but I have read some reviews. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Um, I didn't know what the Rock of... Tomato score was until, like, ten minutes ago. So, Speaking of nostalgia, a brand new trailer for Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One came out. And this movie has so many Easter eggs in it <laughs> that even one of the things they're going after is a literal Easter egg yeah. uh, in in the story. But this has so many Easter eggs in it that people were pointing out, like, you know, here's, here's like a video with like uh, 35 Easter eggs just from the trailer. And you know the trailer's not showing you everything. They're finding like 35 pop culture references just they in the trailer. They have fucking Gundams in the movie. Yeah, Gundams, uh, characters from Overwatch, a bunch of people from yeah. Street Fighter, DC characters. He's, you know, he's got a DeLorean that has like kits, 
you know, sensor bar on the front from Knight Rider. Uh, you know, or the 66 Batmobile is in there. The 18 yeah. van is in there. It's, a, there's a million Chucky iron giant. Uh, somebody's pretty sure they saw like, uh, female shepherd from mass effect was in there somewhere. Uh, just a, a ridiculous, uh, so a battle toads. Somebody pointed out the fucking battle toads. Yeah, there's battle toads. In, 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 I don't know. Like, it was a lot of fun looking at that. But I've got to admit, uh, when I saw the trailer, because it, it shows you a lot more of the world and a lot more of the story and a lot more of the dialogue, I'm less interested in the movie after having watched it. Um, now I've heard like a lot of people talk about how good the book is and I, but I was on the periphery of all of that stuff. I've also since learned that it's actually, there's actually a really divided community about the book. Apparently there's a lot of people who read it that also don't like it very much or didn't think it was all that good. And then there, you know, are some people who it's like their Bible or whatever. Uh, I don't know how good this is going to be. I watched the, this trailer leads me to think it's not going to be one of Spielberg's better movies. Yeah, well, I think the problem is is like Who is Spielberg the guy movies you... are only good if he has heart in it, and if it doesn't yeah. have heart, then yeah, they're still you know technically a good movie. Like, they're never a movie going to look bad or whatever, but it's just like yeah, yeah. I, I'm, my thing is, I want to know how invested he is in this. Because it's like he filmed this movie around the same time he was making The Post. And if you watch the trailers for The Post, you're like, oh, yeah, Spielberg's definitely got something to say (laughs) making this movie. And as I just don't know what he's trying to say in Ready Player One. So do do you know who the guy was that's playing like the head of Oasis? He's the guy who dies, right? And then he has he holds the contest. It's Mark. uh, Mark Rylance. He's in he's the. He's the big fucking giant, big fucking giant. Is he normally this robotic and this I don't know. bad? I don't know. He won an Oscar for that Bridge of Spies thing. I hope... did you see uh, Dunkirk? Because he's in that. I have a. I have. I have Dunkirk. I haven't watched it yet. He's the. Um, he's pretty good want... in it. He's the one of the. He's like the dude who like gets on the boat to go rescue people, like with his own uh, private ship. Like, yeah, the guy with the kid. Is yeah, he's like, yeah, we're going to Dunkirk. Like, he can't go there. It's a war. It's like, oh, we've got a job to do. Like, yeah, no, he's fine. I want to watch it before the end of the year, because when we do our end of the year podcast, I presume it'll probably make my list of best of best films. So, it's pretty um, good. <laughs> but his, his line reading for these words, I hope these are the final ones that make it into the movie, because he sounded like a dude who was literally collecting a paycheck. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm the guy who created Oasis, but I'm going to be dying soon. So here's a contest. If you win it, you get money and control of Oasis. Bye now. You know who like, they should have got just, to do that? Holy cow. Like, this guy did not care. I don't know. That's what it felt should like. Should have got Goldblum to do it. Who? Goldblum. Oh, Goldblum? He should have been, yeah. I mean, he was he was great in Ragnarok, basically. Yeah, it's an eccentric idea. Why not get an eccentric guy? Yeah, gold bloom for everything, really. But he does um, make everything better. That's true. I don't know how. How do you feel about Ready Player One? Are you exuberant? Uh, are you wary? I'm very wary at this point. I My mean, problem is like favors. 
I'm I'm more aware of the fact that I don't want to watch it and be like, oh my god, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? Oh my god, that's so cool. Oh, look at that. Like, And me just watching it because of all the cool things that I know from my childhood in pop culture. Yeah. And then just not giving a crap about the movie at all. And that's what worries me more, is just me not caring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, nostalgia works on me, but yeah, you know, it's just seeing the thing is not enough to like hit the nostalgia trigger. It has to be about the thing to make it nostalgic for me. So just seeing Battletoads isn't like, ah, oh. you know, it'd have to be a Battletoads movie or something to, to like actually hit on my nostalgia for Battletoads. Well, no, just I just seeing... mean like saying, Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's, they got that in there. Like yeah, that, I that's mean... not necessarily nostalgia. Nostalgia would be like, yeah. You know, stranger things. Like there are things yes. just in there that just they feel like home. You know, they feel comfortable. Yep. And just seeing images of you know, the Batmobile doesn't necessarily make me feel at home. It's just like, oh that's cool. But yep. if it's like Batmobile and it's Robin in there and they're like and it looks like they're just walking on a wall that they just turn the camera to, like that's different. Like that's yeah. like The movie is like just one giant feels Easter egg. Yeah. yeah, it's just one giant Easter egg where, you, you know, it'll, it'll become a game to see if you can spot everything that is referenced or whatever. And, yeah. Um, you know, maybe that's enough for, for some, it's not enough for me, but maybe it is for some people. I mean, if I it's like, a, if it's like wacky races and they're like driving in cars and doing stuff, like mm-hmm. some of those sequences seem pretty sweet. Like the first trailer when they're like showing all the cars go by and they're like racing, I'm like, that looks pretty cool. Yeah. But, um... If it's some of the slower spots and it's just seeing someone walk by, kind of like in Wreck-It Ralph, then it might not work as much, but Wreck-It Ralph also had a lot of heart in it, so. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, let's talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi real quick. So this is obviously not a review. Neither of us have seen the movie yet. Nope. Uh, and there will be no spoiler talks at all. I, I will read the critical consensus for the movie as it currently exists, which contains no spoilers, so don't worry. Uh, and you got to read the Rotten Tomato score and the actual rating, and the average rating, which uh, is good. important. Uh, now, I'm, people who've listened to the show before know that I normally do not care about spoilers, uh, but when it has come to these Star Wars movies, I have purposefully avoided them. So uh, I cannot spoil things for you because I don't know things. Uh, I I only know vagaries based off of some reviews I've read and you know the critical census and whatnot uh so the tomato meter it's already at it's already nearing 200 reviews it's already certified fresh it is sitting at 94 percent which means of the 181 reviews 94 reviewers gave it a positive score to get a little bit more detailed you look to the average rating which kind of gives you an idea of how much they really loved it uh we've seen movies uh that were in the high 90s that would have a average rating of like a 6 out of 10 which says that you know everybody liked it but they didn't love it you know what i mean uh th- th- this kind of gives you the degree of like so the average rating for last jedi is 8.2 out of 10 which is very good mm-hmm. so not only do critics not only do the vast, vast majority of critics like it, they also really like it on average. Uh, So, 
good reviews. Uh, I should note, for contrast, uh, Rogue One uh, is an 85% with an average of 7.5 out of 10. Which is weird, because I like Rogue One more than I like Force Awakens, but to each their own. The critics liked it a little bit less. Um, yeah, I know. I have a lot of friends who hated that movie because they're like, I didn't like the characters, and I and I'm usually one to be like, I like characters more than story. But to me, like, mm-hmm. Rogue One just had this sense of like they were doing something for the greater good. Like, I just for whatever reason, like to me, like the last thirty minutes just felt like, yeah, there's people yeah. going down left and right, but it, it isn't necessarily about them. It's about the sacrifice they made for the cause. Yes. And I feel like for me. I feel like we got enough of who they were to make me care just enough um, about the sacrifice. Like, I'm not heartbroken that all these characters are no longer alive because I didn't grow up with them and we didn't live long lives with them and see many stories and adventures with them. But, you know, as you noted, the story was about their sacrifice and they gave us just enough about these characters to care about the sacrifice, which was the point. Um, Now, Force Awakens is one percentage point shy. It's 93%, but it has the same exact average rating, 8.2 out of 10. So, uh... Rigged. (laughs) Conspiracy. Warner Brothers is propping up Disney. You'll note that the (laughs) Star Trek movies are not nearly as universally loved. Um, so... Actually, that may not be true as it pertains to the Kelvin Universe movies, but whatever. Uh... So you'll note that critics basically liked these two movies the same. Here is what I can tell you without any spoilers, without even even reviewing the movie. These are just things I've gleaned from reading non-spoiler reviews of the movie. Uh, ben and Glenn, especially on this show, <laughs> although you are not alone in people who are like, look, if there are criticisms of these movies, they mostly lay in the fact that it was a soft reboot of episode four that they played it too safe, that they kind of just retold that story. Um, what I've been able to glean from last Jedi is that they did not go the same route. This is not the empire strikes back. Uh, not even a soft reboot, not even story beats. Uh, this is a completely different movie so much so that I have seen a few people refer to force. Go ahead. I was going to say, you're telling me that Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. came up with an original story within the constructs of established stories? Yes. Huh. It's like he's never done that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, in fact, I am, uh, based on what I have read, uh, I am of the... I guess the idea that the force awakens, at least to a lot of reviewers, the force awakens acts almost like a prologue to this. Like it's almost not even part of the story because last Jedi is so different and so much changes. So this is the critics consensus. It says star Wars, the last Jedi honors the saga's rich legacy while adding surprising twists and delivering all emotion, rich action that fans could hope for. So it's very vague there. Uh, but all I know is like, uh, you know, people have been commenting on like the trailers, how they include that Luke, the, the Luke Skywalker line of this isn't going to go the way you think. 
uh, is talking to somebody. I'm not sure who exactly. Maybe Ray. Oh, it is Ray. They show it in the. There's a there's a new trailer where it's her like with the lightsaber. He's actually standing over her, him, and he says it to her. Yeah, it shows them in the same uh, shot. Gotcha. Um, everybody's like that was genius to throw that in there because, you know, maybe everybody was thinking they're trying to fool you, but they're like, no, Luke is being honest with the audience. The movie is not going to go the way you think. This is what I have gleaned from many non-spoilery reviews. I'm going to avoid all the spoilery stuff. Uh, obviously until I watch it, which is going to be tough because the movie opens in a couple of days and I am not going to be seeing it until Christmas day as is tradition around, uh, this household. So it's going to be even an even longer wait, uh, an attempt to avoid spoilers. But, uh, you know, I managed to do it with rogue one. I'll, uh, manage to do it with, uh, with last Jedi here, but it does sound like all of the concern. I mean, look, I've, I've, you know, people have, I've heard uh, some complaints that some people thought the movie was too long. Uh, apparently it's two and a half hours, although that's with credits. I mean, at this point, like, so it's probably I hate more it, like, but it comes with the territory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's probably more like two fifteen or something. Yeah. It's uh, I'm sure they've got like 15 minutes of credits. Yeah. Every, every movie uh, is 15 minutes too long these days. Yeah. That's entirely possible. <laughs> um, Although, you know, uh, with me, usually length is not an issue unless it's, you know, the extra length is filled with completely boring stuff and which like a Transformers movie. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's like a lot of nonsense in those Transformers movies. They could be spending more time with robot battles and they're spending time (laughs) on the human element in those movies, which is not their, which is not their strong point. No, it's the strong point of Jurassic Park. It's not the strong point of, uh, Transformers. Um, I'm not going to complain about uh, extra added length for a Star Wars movie. Uh, I, I consider these epics, and epics need extra time as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, they... Yeah, I, those I, are the I'm same a, people who complain about the length of Kingdom of Heaven. And you know what? They were wrong. Yeah, that movie got longer with a director's cut and was better for it. Uh, Lord of the Rings are very long movies even before the director's cuts, but I feel like they worked. Um, you know, I'm... Uh, you know, I feel like Avengers and movies like that, you know, they need the extra space because they're telling much larger scoped uh, stories. So uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, I, I've even seen a few reviewers saying that they needed a day to take everything in. So much happens in the movie. There's a lot to process. So, uh, And the other thing I've heard, again, no spoilers, obviously nothing specific, but I've heard that Ryan Johnson makes some choices that will very likely be dividing fans for a long time to come. So, uh-oh, uh-oh. Leave it at, leave uh-oh. It at that. Despite, despite, despite the positive reviews. Um, also, I don't consider this to be a spoiler. I consider it more of like a, uh, a rest assured. And I have been told rest assured that while the Porgs kind of act as <laughs> sort of like a tension comedy relief, they're not focused on in the movie at all. And they're not in it really all that much. And when they are in it, they it does kind of exist to break the tension, get a laugh in. That's about it. But it's not Jar Jar Binks level annoyance where he's the main character following everybody around. Um, my favorite fake rumor was that the uh, Porg becomes a Jedi, which um, I thought was not a step far enough. 
uh, for me, my fake rumor was like, not that the Porgs were Jedis or that the Porg becomes a Jedi, but that the Porgs are reincarnated Jedis and that the uh, one hanging out with Chewie is Mace Windu. Uh, that's what I, that's what I was, uh, having fun passing around. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think either of those are true. Um, that's a shame. Oh, also, you know what? I do have one, I do have one spoiler. It's not story specific. It's kind of in a creative direction. It's a creative direction spoiler. Uh, this is one of these things that, so if you don't want to listen, I guess turn off the show, but, uh, this isn't going to reveal anything that has to do with any story specific elements, but... Uh, there was, a, I think, a, a general consensus that they were going to write off Princess Leia in this movie, obviously due to Carrie Fisher's death, uh, and the announcement that they were not going to be using her in uh, recreating her in any way or recasting her in Episode Nine. And from what I've heard, that doesn't happen. They don't write her out of the movie. Or they, they don't do anything to write her out. As best as I can tell, they Ryan Johnson said he used all of the shots they used with her, um, and they didn't alter anything, and that by the end of the movie, she is still alive. So, I don't know what that means for Episode Nine in J.J. Abrams' movie. Uh, beats me. So, I guess that is probably spoilery, to be like, this character exists in the movie, and at the end of the movie, this character still exists. So I guess that's a spoiler. But that's the only thing I know. Uh, and it wasn't even really said to me that she exists at the end of the movie. Uh, somebody had just said, like, they don't write her out. And I found that interesting, because I thought the general idea was that they were, or they were going to send her off, or something along those lines. Yeah. So that's going to raise even more questions for J.J. Uh, Abrams' next, uh, next shot at Star Wars. Um, we're not going to talk about the Alita Battle Angel trailer. I didn't even see that. Oh, really? Because I I don't care. (laughs) Okay, it's Uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez, but it's like the whole movie was like designed by James Cameron. Um, which is kind of an odd combo. Uh, do you want to talk about the? Do you have anything you'd like to say about the Golden Globes real quick before we take off? No, I mean it's just kind of like a. I listen to somebody, and um, no, they always talk about the award shows. It's Bill Simmons' podcast, and they always talk about the awards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just saying how it's it's getting much worse over the years because it's like when something comes out, like, or do you ever hear us talking about? I can't remember what year it won it, but like. With the year the artist won, and they were like, do you ever hear us talk about that movie now? And it's like, no, we talk about, I can't remember what movie it was that came out. Or the year that um, Goodfellas lost. Like, do we yeah. talk about like the English patient, or do we talk about Goodfellas? We talk about Goodfellas. It's yep. like, and that's like, what's becoming the problem with so many of these awards, especially in the last like 20 years, it's... Is it's movies that are winning that we don't talk about anymore, and it's like not even saying it has to be a superhero movie or anything like that, but just like it just they aren't the movies we talk about. Like, um, yeah, uh, that's that is true. Like, I can't remember what won the year Black Swan lost, but I know more people who like and talk about Black Swan than whatever movie won that year. I can't remember what it was, and it might have been The Artist, but like, it's just. Uh, 
yeah, it just it's kind of becoming a weird thing. I like the Golden Globes because it's more fun and it doesn't you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Everybody just gets like super drunk and has a good time. So like, I actually like watching the Golden Globes and kind of following to see what happens because a the categories seem to be more diverse. Now I don't know why Get Out is in comedy and musical. Uh, it should be in drama, and then from what I understand. Three billboards over Ebby, Missouri should be in comedy musical because it's it's a dark comedy. It's definitely yeah. got some dramatic elements, but it's definitely a comedy. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Well, you know the one that's uh, uh, a more recent one that's also very famous that people talk about is the year that uh, Crash won Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like the most obvious one because it's just it's not a good movie. Over say like I mean it's okay. I mean, I don't think it would have gotten nominated if it was like no, but it's like awful. it's one of those like it was made. It's so vanilla in its telling. Like what what year yeah. did that win it over? Like who was up against it? Two thousand six. So it went up against uh, Good Night and Good Luck. Okay, uh, it's not that great. <laughs> uh, Capote. Uh, Capote. That's pretty good. Uh, Brokeback Mountain and Munich. Yeah. Or the uh, other uh, options. Yeah, I mean, like, but like, Brokeback Mountain. Like, people talk about that movie all the time. They talk about it. They certainly talk about it more than. Yeah, I mean, crash, it's kind of people sure. make a joke about a, it, but it's you know, is that a tough year for movies or what? That's not like a. That's not an amazing list. I mean, for best picture. Brokeback Mountain, from what I understand, is really good. I've just never watched it because it's every time I go to watch it on Netflix, it gets taken off the next day. So. Mm-hmm. But it's more than just gay cowboys. Boy, that was a rough year in general. That was a rough year in general. Uh, that was a rough year in general. Highest grossing films that year were Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, The Da Vinci Code, uh, X-Men The Last Stand, Superman Returns. Uh, Casino Royale came out that year. Maybe they should have given the nod to Casino Royale. Yeah, that movie was yeah, great. That movie was awesome. Maybe that should have made it. I'm sure it was probably nominated for some uh, technical award or some shit. Best song or something. I would have given it a Best Picture nomination. It was a great fucking movie. Anyway, um, yeah, I've I've got very little to say about the Golden Globes movie nominations. Uh, I've seen three of the five shows, TV shows, nominated for Best Drama. Um, I'm kind of surprised Stranger Things was nominated. I feel like maybe that was nominated because it's the popular thing that the kids like. Uh, and, I mean, it's a good show. I, I think just it's a season very good two show. wasn't as good as one. I would agree. I think that's kind of the... It's the it's um, the wrong year for it to have been nominated. This sounds like The Handmaid's Tale is probably going to win this. Uh, there's a lot of talk around that show. I've not watched it. Oh, Little Miss Hulu. Sunshine came out that... Oh, wait, no, this is the wrong year. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Game of Thrones is always excellent, and The Crown is really good. I love that show on Netflix as well. Is it uh, the, the cast shakes up after this year? That is correct. They're going to age up the cast with new actors uh, after this season. They're going to jump ahead in time and stuff, which is a shame because Claire Foy and uh, Matt Smith have been excellent and um oh shit what's his name john lithgow. He played, uh, john lithgow was tremendous yeah i watched i watched like the trailer for it or whatever mm-hmm. um because i'm not gonna watch it because 
we all know how I feel about the monarchy. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's really weird because like John Lithgow looks good, and even Ben gave him his seal of approval. But it was yeah, like was uh, he's so damn tall, and it's just knowing that uh, old Winston Churchill was you know a short statured tubby guy, not a tall yeah. tubby guy. Like he's not yeah. Trump. Like he was smaller. And it's yeah. just, it's so weird to, like, see how he towers over everybody. Even though he's, like, right. arching his back. Like, he's doing all the right things. Like, I don't blame him. It's just weird that they didn't, they wouldn't block their shots to make him look the same height or shorter than everybody. I also just didn't realize John Lithgow was gigantic. He's freaking huge. Yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know how tall he is, but, I mean, he looks like he's crazy tall. Uh, maybe he's not that tall, John. Let's. This is this is what we're spending our time doing on the show. John Lithgow height. Tell me, Google. Uh, he is not a small man. He is six foot four. He's pretty tall. Yeah, that is a good size. Yeah, I'm. Most actors I mean, are pretty short, so yeah, he's pretty tall. I mean, people call me big guy, and I'm six one. So he's got like a few inches on me, even. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Me. Too. Uh, he's a. It's a tall dude. Holy moly. Uh, that is weird now that I think about it. I, I, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Uh, his church, he was hunched over a lot as Churchill, and he wasn't always standing over top of people. He was sitting frequently, so... Well, that's what uh, I mean. The, like, the, I'm looking at stills, and so, like, they have the main shot, like, I guess of her getting married or something. I don't know. She's with Matt Smith, and they're standing in a row, and he's like, like you said, he's got the cane, and he's hunched, and you can see he's, like, trying to... But it's like, oh, if he just stretches out his neck, like, he's obviously... Oh, yeah. Like, it's like a giraffe. He's like four inches people. taller than the closest guy to him, which is the guy sitting on his right. It's like the yeah. British version of Tom Selleck. <laughs> um, I mean, the the show though is uh, pretty captivating, and the performances are really good. So uh, I'm a big fan. We're watching. We're in the in the midst of watching the second season now. So. Uh, I, that show gets my thumb over. And in fact, that might, uh, be my show. Uh, my, that might be my favorite show of the year. Really? I, I don't know. It, it could, it could be, uh, or the better call Saul and, oh, it's so tough with Saul too. <laughs> Fuck. And I forgot cause Saul so long ago, it ended like ages ago. It felt like, um, I keep forgetting about it. Um, no, that was a fucking great show too. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to do some pondering before we do our uh, end of the end of the year show, which will probably be the next show that we do. We'll be uh, presumably covering uh, the Last Jedi, and we'll try to squeeze in like a top five favorite movies, top five favorite shows, uh, you know that sort of thing. We're gonna uh, later on this week. We're gonna be doing. Uh, uh, Aurora and I are sitting down doing uh, an episode of Level Your Gear. We're going to talk about our, like our top five uh, video games for the year. So we're going to have uh, all of the the favorites, the the listicles are going to be all covered uh, soon. Hopefully, we will be able to squeeze. Gosh, I don't know. We'll we'll look. Everybody's busy around uh, uh, Christmas and New Year's, so hopefully, we'll be able to squeeze it in. We'll have like a week to squeeze it in. So. Uh, after after I go see Last Jedi. So hopefully we'll find the time to do that. Uh, in the meantime, head on over to cinemageekly.com, check out the archives of the show, find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music, just search for Cinema Geekly, and hit subscribe, 
and uh, that is it for this week. Glenn and I will return, I'm sure. Hopefully, we'll be able to get some more cast members on as well to talk about this Star Wars picture and maybe some of our favorites for the year uh, on the next Cinema Geekly podcast. Cinema Geekly podcast.